Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today in history in 1981, the cable television network MTV debuted with the broadcast of the music video. Uh, for Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. I didn't know that song was done by The Buggles. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am your host, Zachary, and like many other people in history, I absolutely fuck. I'm sorry, that one really threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> My, yeah, that one. <laughs> I don't know, it just, it like hit me, it hit me the right way. It's pretty way. presumptuous, um, though, to say that other people in history fuck, because Isaac Newton did not. Okay, but it's not presumptuous to say other people fucked in history, or else we wouldn't be here. Nobody in history That's ever so fucked. That's true. <laughs> uh, yep. Today, my my name is Megan, and today in history, I I haven't fucked, so that's my intro. <laughs> that's not your intro, but we can get to your intro now. <laughs> no, that's that's it. That's I it. love it. No, my my intro is hi. I'm Megan, and I will be your fox demon leading you through the story that I have today. Oh, and I'm Matt. Today I learned that in the Middle Ages, it was believed lightning strikes could be avoided by ringing the church bells. This practice was very quickly abandoned as many bell bell ringers got electrocuted. Yeah, because metal's fucking conductive. Oh my god! The highest thing up. Jeez. Yeah, but in the the Middle Ages, in the Middle Ages, they thought like it was a good way to ward off the demons and the lightning. So they in were the Middle Ages. So they were like, we're like, just gonna. In the Middle Ages, much like in today's, there's a gr- small group of people that just think God will save them. God will. So here's here's my 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 guilty secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your guilty um, pleasure. About about no, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't call this a pleasure because if I do it, there's a chance I'll die. Uh, <laughs> I want to get hit by lightning. Dude, I no, was thinking don't. the so exact bad. same no, thing. You don't. Oh, no, no, listen. Listen. I understand that I don't actually want to get hit by lightning, but yeah. listen to me. She does. Have you seen the cool lightning tattoo? Yes, we talked about this. Humans already yes, have stripes. I Humans will have stripes. Never Stop wanting it. Okay, but Megan, here's the thing. I've been electrocuted twice in my life, and it's not fun. But have you been struck by lightning? No. Yeah, that's the thing. But if just, like, like a okay, small zippy zap is bad, I can't imagine a whole-ass lightning ball. No, I have I have I also been, like... I am under the like... assumption... It's like giving birth. I think, like, your body will not let your brain remember it. I was going to say, I know that when you when you give birth, you have funny, funny brain chemicals that make you forget all about how much it sucked. I don't think that happens with lightning. So I I think like most I think like painful things. I think your body like it floods you with adrenaline, right? It's yeah. just yeah. like, oh, we got to get through this. But I do think that it it does like kind of dull maybe the the memory of like that was so horrible and traumatic that we can't i'm not gonna let you remember that all the yeah. way like we cannot yeah all right so i mean maybe I, there's only one way to find out before i left there's only one way to find before out. before i left for san diego i stopped by um like a few stores to grab like a backpack so that i had a walking around bag and um mm-hmm. It was during that super serious lightning storm that we were having in the New England region. And um, as I was walking from my car to the door of, like, a Kohl's, um, I just thought, like, I said out loud to myself, like, I guess getting struck by lightning wouldn't be the most horrible way to die. 
and then lightning lit up the sky, and I just sprinted to my car. Bro, your god was just like, okay. God was like, uh, fuck around and find out. You You sure sure about about that? that? (laughs) You sure about that? Like, okay. We'll do it then. Get ready. <laughs> but anyways, here comes the choo-choo. Uh, we should probably kick this thing off because we've been talking for a while and it's 930. Uh, listeners, oh, well. our strikes have been set to zero. We played a completely hallucinatory game of rock, paper, scissors in that it only happened in our minds. Um, the order for tonight exists as follows. Zach is going first. I will be going second. And Megan will be... Taking us home. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Take me home. Country, country roads. roads. And also Megan. Um, and also me. So I, I know my intro threw Megan off a little bit. Um, it did. It did. Truly. Uh, but it's. I think it was an important intro, not because I want to brag, but because it relates to my story. Um, so weird intro aside, I figured after now that we have broken the 75 episode mark which by the way congratulations to us way to go now us. i am bragging congrats to us we did it we, we did, did it. it uh i thought it would be time to kind of go back and add a little bit to a story i have previously covered and if you were thinking that this story would be an important story or one of the times that i got serious on this podcast Clearly, you don't know me well enough or my penchant for just relating back to intros in the worst way possible. So, friends, hopefully not family, and random strangers that listen to us on the internet, let's go back and talk more about some historic fuck tools. Yes. Yes! Because... A little while back, we talked about some of the weird things that people used to get off throughout history, such as crusty bread or a crazy sex lounger and beads that you would stick into your dick. But if you thought that's all there was to it, you are terribly wrong. So I'm scared, yet excited at the same time. Consider me (laughs) scared and horny. I am scared and aroused. Uh, as you scaroused. should be. Scaroused. Scaroused, yes. <laughs> it's been a while since we whipped that one out. So, one of the first instances of a marital aid, as some of the more prudish members among us might call it, can be traced all the way back to roughly 26,000 BC. That's a long fucking time ago. Apparently, even cavemen like to spice things up in the bedroom. They sure uh, did. The cave room, whatever. So, our Paleolithic ancestors, yes, that's right, I fucking looked up exactly what age it was in human history, because I'm a good historian, fuck you. <laughs> nice. They, I don't know why I got so aggressive you there, but I did. You did get super aggressive there, but, like, well done on your research. Defending my spot here. Um, so... Our Paleolithic ancestors would use pieces of smoothed bone or smoothed stone in phallic shapes uh, or ivory, if they could find it. Uh, And in very rare cases, apparently teeth, question mark. Uh, What? Excuse me? Tell me more about the teeth. (laughs) They used teeth to get off? Yeah. I just I need to, to know, I need you to know that any time that teeth have been used on me, I have <laughs> instantly been angry about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I was about what... to say the same. Usually teeth is a bad thing, but I guess if you're... I want to know what teeth are. <laughs> I want you to show me. And that's uh, all that we can <laughs> sing of that song. I think by teeth, it's more of like the tusk of a saber-toothed tiger. Oh, yeah, teeth were bigger back then. Human teeth? Like animal teeth, you know, the big ones, the big honkers. The big honker teeth. The big honker teeth. Get your big honking teeth. (laughs) 
so what yeah. teeth are. Uh, apparently prehistoric peoples would be like, mm, this looks not sharp enough. I'm going to stick it in my wherever. Wow. So <laughs> the first instances of dildos were found all the way back in 26,000 BC. So we've been getting down on things that weren't, what we're supposed to be getting down on for quite a while. Um, I know I also mentioned at the top of this whole thing and also in the last time we talked about it, uh, the Greeks' uh, kinky knack for crusty bread. And that was not the only thing that the Greeks liked to fuck around with. Um, first off, just so much olive oil. Like, they cooked with it, but they also <laughs> fucked with it. Yeah. Nice. Like, that was their lube. They were, they didn't have, you know, they couldn't go down to CVS and get some KY jelly. They were like, mmm, fresh pressed olive oil. Sounds good to me. Honestly, good for them, though. I mean, they, they were the Greeks. They were doing a whole lot of, like, butt stuff. And so I guess you need lube, so. That's true. You guess? You, you guess. You, I, 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 let me rephrase that. You, I, you need lube. You need lube. For that. No, don't, don't assume. Kids listening at home, you need lube. You need lube for that. Kids listening at home. You don't. Actually, let's, let's rephrase that. Not children listening at home. Adults of like full age who may not or may not know. You need lube for that. Listen, listen here, fully grown adult people. You need lube. I don't know, man. I, I think that if they want to go you know, non-wet and wild. Okay. That, that's their no, God-given that's right. that's just... That's pain. That's absolutely their right. It's a oh, stupid yeah, no, it's their idea. Right. It's a but... bad idea. Everything's better when it's wet. Yes. What? It's better let's down where keep, it's wetter. Let's keep talking about the... Under the sea. <laughs> Under the sea! We can't sing any more of that. Um... So, again, like, the Greeks used so much olive oil as lube, uh, and also for delicious foods. So, just make sure you know which one is the extra virgin olive oil and which one is the lightly fucked olive oil. (laughs) Uh. Uh, (laughs) But the Greeks would also use leather pouches, and by pouch, I mean, like, long phallic pouches, not, like, a fucking pocket. Yeah, well, it's Uh, the Greeks, so... You know what? Maybe it could have been the first leather pocket pussy. That also would have been an option, I guess. It for sure was. But they would have these, like, long leather sheaths stuffed with wool to give them some rigidity. And they would use those as dildos. And somehow I feel like a leather dildo sounds just as bad as a bone one. But I've never used any dildo on myself before. So I guess what the fuck do I know? You haven't lived... Yeah, that's true. God, I, why don't you test these products before you come to us? Because there's a certain, like... Uh-huh. There's a certain yeah. thing where you shouldn't test things that we know are probably not great. Like, did they live? <laughs> yes. Could it have been comfortable? Absolutely not. You don't know. You're right. Don't know I don't for know. Sure. I think it's a strong conjecture, though. Zach, honestly, if you don't put a bunch of wool in some leather and shove it in you, you'll never know for sure. You're not living. I'm not being a good historian unless I shove you, a leather dildo up my ass. You just talked about how great your research was for this segment, and then you refused to put leather full of wool inside yourself. You're right. I'm failing as a historian. I I think uh, as far as like... As, as a historian. Fully grown adults think... at home, if you've tried putting leather and wool together inside of you and it worked out okay, just let us know. Yeah, let us Dro- know. Drop us a, drop us a review. Dro- and, yeah, drop us a comments. review in Apple and tell Five us whether stars. or not you had goofed with yourself in such a way. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would recommend wow, all the leather. What a, what a euphemism. Goofed with yourself. Goofed with yourself. You ever goof with yourself? I, I think for the, as far as testing the rest of these products goes, uh, I'm just going to pull the Percopius method and just assume. Um, 
but yes, so they they used leather pouches stuffed with wool, as we have said. Um, and it's kind of hard to pin down the next little bit here, but I also mentioned last time, also at the beginning of the episode and in the last time I talked about these things, in ancient China, men would stick metal beads full of mercury inside their dicks for pleasure. People still do whoa, that. Whoa, whoa. I mean, not mercury, but people are still, it's called sounding. Sounding? Sounding. And people still put beads in their urethras. Uh, oh, good for them. Um, that sounds awful. Could? God bless them. Good for them. Zach, again, if you've never tried it, how could you know? <laughs> I'm just going to assume on I'm that I'm also going to assume because that doesn't sound like my kink. But no, if it does you're, not sound like... If you're a member of the listening audience and it is yours, we are not yucking your yum. We're just saying it's no. not for us. It's not for us. Um, but, well, men were not the only ones having fun with metal balls because... After the invention of whatever, I don't know what they were called. I could not remember. Um, but that also led to the invention of the Benoit egg or the Benoit balls, which are little metal or jade balls that are inserted into the vagina during sex. Woo! Uh, and they just rattle around in there because apparently having shit rattle around and clack <laughs> together during sex feels good. So, I, you know. What I love about this is that Zach forgot the name of like the apparatus for these mercury balls. And yeah. I'm, like, I'm just thinking, how would you even go about Googling that in a satisfactory way without getting yeah. some, some seriously horrific images that you did not want? <laughs> What's the name of the thing to What's stick the, the metal thing balls that in you your can, dick? Like, put you metal know, balls in your dick? And Google would just be like, hey... We're not really on board with this, but here are some pictures of a penis. See, here's my thing. Like, every time I did research on all of these, uh, like, different devices and different contraptions, I just wanted to, like, type in whatever it was in the Google search and then just put dot, 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 you know, for pleasure. <laughs> you know. Just to, just to be really clear on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we had the Benoit egg or the Benoit uh, balls, which for some dumb reason makes me just think of Benoit Blanc, yeah. which just makes me think of a Daniel vagina Craig, with a James horrible Bond. Louisiana accent. His accent in those movies is not great, but you can tell that he is having so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what really matters. Which is That's the what best. really matters. Um, but yeah, so Benoit balls are actually still available at most sex shops. Hell yeah, And are still a thing that are around. And they're also... I'm looking them up right now. You are? They're funky. I want to see what they look like. They're just little metal balls. That ben just rattle Bois. around. Yeah, but they're actually Ball. not only used for sexual pleasure, but they're also used for Kegel exercises that help strengthen the pelvic floor, because you're going to like... Oh, hold them up in they're there. They're known for they help with incontinence. Yeah. So interesting. So, there's some health benefits too, other than just you know a healthy sex life. Wow. No, Adam and Eve. I don't want <laughs> to spin for her savings. I, I just want to wanted to see savings. them. I just want to look I at the. I don't want it. You know what? I'll go on to WebMD. That might have been. That should have been <laughs> that my should first. Have been, yeah, that should have been it. That should have been it. Well, unfortunately, WebMD doesn't have a picture. They just they're being very coy about it. Okay. I mean, why people like them? Pelvic floor training. We don't have time Sex for this. Toy. Yes. Anyway, I love so that we're jumping... trying to be sex positive. But also, but also, we do have two more stories to get through. I'm trying to educate myself. I don't know about <laughs> educate you. Educate yourself later. So, okay. jumping way the fuck forward, because fuck you, I can. Uh, the 1960s. He's so aggressive. A, 
Audience, I know. I don't audience, know why. Audience, come in close because I'm going to whisper in your ear again. I'm not actually going to whisper because that requires leaning. But listen, we didn't ask him to be this aggressive about sex tonight. He just came in with this energy, okay? Look, We're sorry. I'm, I am just passionate, okay? Zach Fox. I mean... <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to be passionate too, but I was told to stop. Do that on your own time, Megan. I'm just saying we do have to tell this story. No, no, it's fine. No, I heard you loud and clear. I'm doing it on my own time. (laughs) So back in the 60s, a ventriloquist by the name of Ted Marsh. Please tell me he didn't fuck his dummy. No, he didn't, but he does become the first person in the United States to manufacture strap-ons for a large-scale production. Hell yes. I don't know why. I don't really trust him. Why why is he ventriloquist? First of all, I need to to know why that jump was made. Like, how do you go from ventriloquism to strap-on production? Look, I don't know, but apparently, like... The way I see it is he had some practice being up something's ass, so I guess he had all the necessary qualifications. <laughs> Whew, I feel bad for that doll, is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, I, I feel bad for that doll and also his whole family, because apparently his business venture was an entire family activity where, like, Ted, his wife, and his son would sit around the kitchen table carving cock molds. I know. You know, uh, wholesome family okay, activity. Okay, so... Husband, wife, I see that being kind of, like, a fun, cute little, like, when you get your son involved is when I draw the line. That child should be nowhere near any cocks but his own until he's good and ready to explore his own sexuality. From what I understand, it was, like, not, like, a child child, but, like... Oh, he was a full-grown adult child? A full-grown adult child, from what I understand. Well, then, that's a choice that he can make for himself, I suppose. Yes. But still, Um, I would be uncomfortable... I I would be uncomfortable carving cocks with my son. Yeah, I mean, I'd be uncomfortable carving cocks with just my whole entire family, you know? Um... Yeah, it just wild and weird and whatever. But originally, these devices, strap-ons, were intended to be used by impotent men because Viagra wasn't out until 1998. Uh, It was used for impotent men to have sex with their wives. Uh, Not sure how popular this use was. All I know is now they're mainly used for getting pegged by goth chicks. So, you know, it is what it is. It's still sold on the market. (laughs) So... In the early 1970s, a paraplegic man by the name of Gosnell Duncan actually invents the first silicone silicone sex toy that is meant for handicapped people. They come in all different kinds of, like, Oh, they come all right. Oh, I... Strike. (laughs) (laughs) Strike. But they come in different shapes with different, like, straps and different attachments, so it's actually accessible for all kinds of people. Wonderful. Because, look, we all needs to get some. We do all needs to get some. to get some. And it's also really important, because not only does it give accessibility for other people, but it is also the first time that many different skin tones... Are added to fake dicks because Gosnell was a man of darker complexion, and so he added actually darker complexion to flesh tone dildos because before that flesh tone just meant white. Yeah, as it so often does. Yeah, and last but not least, because I guess I felt like mentioning it for fuck knows why, uh, we're gonna jump forward a little bit more into the 1980s where Japan sets another record for the best sex toy and makes uh, the rabbit vibrator, which is a two-motor vibrator, and it only becomes popular because it is featured in an episode of Sex and the City. Nice. Oh, I thought you were going to say Sailor Moon for a minute, and I was going to be like, damn. (laughs) Yeah, Sailor Moon and their vibrator. You don't know. Maybe. I, I, I maybe. I don't know. I haven't watched Sailor Moon. I guess that's one way to transform, though. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Brother, have you watched every single episode? No, I've not no Sailor Moon. Well, then you don't know. Okay, so maybe... Maybe in the deep archives. Maybe in the deep archives, there's an episode where you know, Sailor, Sailor Moon Moons. gets herself off. Maybe. Yeah, or you know, with uh, tuxedo mask, we we don't know. I, I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> okay. You, they make eyes that whole show. I don't know. You can't tell me behind the scenes. They make eyes I at don't each know. other. <laughs> Maybe Who behind knows? behind the artwork, they they make eyes at each behind, other. They make no. It's not even behind the artwork. It's fully in the artwork. All right, they're making eyes. Fair, fair enough. Oh my gosh! Uh, all right, that's that, it. That's all I needed to do. That that's being all I needed said, to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna take us back in time because Zach did a lot okay. of like jumping forward in time. I did. I'm gonna take us back. Uh, the year I'm here of our Lord. Is 1817. The okay. day is the Thursday before Easter, which okay. is very confusingly called Monday Thursday. Which It's the Thursday before Mo- Easter. Mon- yeah, we'll just call it. It's Monday. spelled M-A-U-N-D-Y. Maundy Thursday. So dumb. Mon- confusing. Uh, it's the Thursday Monday. before Easter. The location okay. of this story is a town in England by the name of Almondsbury. And the story... Almondsbury. Famous for almonds. Almondsbury. And the story is about another wonderfully weird woman from history. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, baby. Um, so, Fuck yeah, baby. on this Thursday evening, a woman walked through the town of Almondsbury, knocking on doors, trying to get people to answer the door for her. Um, and when somebody finally did, this woman spoke in a language that nobody could understand. Excellent. Um, the most that could be understood of, like, what she was saying, uh, is she would point to herself and say caribou. Uh, and again, this, you know, it was in a different language, so that's probably not exactly how it was pronounced or whatever, but I'm not fucking doing a deep dive um (laughs) so anyways she would point to herself and she would say caribou and then the other word that she uh could say was nanas which is like pineapple oh i was thinking bananas no 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 um but anyways the first people that took her in gave her some bread and some milk but like they were reluctant to let her stay the night even though she had like she made the motion for tired and wanting to sleep so they were like no we're not doing that we're gonna pass you off to the man who runs the poorhouse for vagrants and so they passed oh yeah classic they passed her off to uh the man who runs the poorhouse for vagrants and he was like i don't know what you want me to do with this and they were like, just take her in, let her rest here. And he goes, sure, fine, but tomorrow, uh, I'm not keeping her. Um, okay. So she spends the night there, and then I think because of the language barrier, they send her back to the people that originally took her in and gave her food. <laughs> and... It's still just, like, no one can understand a word that they're saying, and the townsfolk very quickly uh, find out that this is a little bit above their pay grade. And so they 
send her uh, north a little ways to Bristol. Um, because they figured that it was probably... They would probably handle it better. Um, she was dressed in nice clothing. Uh, I forgot to copy and paste, like, the actual description of how she was dressed, but it was, like, a nice dress that was, like, blacks and reds, and then she was also wearing a turban or a headscarf that was blacks and reds, so she was, like, coordinated and looked really nice. Um, but the, the way she was dressed indicated that she was very out of place for the region of England that she was wandering through. Or she was just stunting. On the hose. She could have been stunting on the hose. on them hose. I don't think anyone in that time period really, like, <laughs> thought about stunting on the hose. No, th- that is not true. I've watched enough Bridgerton to know that people do stunt on okay, the hose. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, they do be And Bridgerton is completely and utterly historically accurate. Thank you, Julia Quinn. Please contact me. I have not um, watched Bridgerton, work. so I don't know about the hose being stunted on. Um, Look, here's the thing. All I know is Bridgerton, I'm pretty sure because it's a Regency period, follows the best way to make a man attractive, which is put him in a a ruffly shirt and then dunk him. It's also important to note that Bridgerton fucks. Yeah, Bridgerton absolutely fucks. Uh, so anyways, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on with this story. She could have been stunting on the hose, though. Like, we'll, we'll let that... I'll make that assumption that she was stunting. I'm comfortable with you making that assumption. Uh... Thank you. I will not be changing it. Okay. You don't have to change your mind, but you will when the facts present themselves later on in the story. Uh, so she makes her way to Bristol. She gets shipped up to Bristol. Um, and she's passed again from city official to city official until eventually she is, like, speaking around a sailor, um, a Portuguese sailor whose name I also didn't record here. Uh, for reasons of laziness. Um, but he recognized the language she was speaking as Indonesian, and okay. he agreed to uh, translate on her behalf. Okay. So, with the help of this sailor, uh, she explained that her name was Princess Caribou, and that she came from an island called uh, Javasu. I'm assuming that it's probably like Havasu or something. Uh, because, okay. you know, maybe it is. But on the off chance that I'm wrong, I've pronounced it both ways. And will continue to do so for the rest of the story. Um, she claims to have been abducted by pirates. And that while she was with these pirates, she made a decision to jump herself overboard whilst they were in the Bristol Canal. And then she swam to shore um, from the ship. And so everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's that's dope as shit. Uh, And she quickly becomes the talk of the town, as she had been when she was in Almondsbury anyway. Everyone, by the time that she was moving up to Bristol, was aware of this girl who, like, spoke a different language and could only say pineapple and her own name. Um, (laughs) But she becomes the talk of the town in Bristol and continues to behave in odd ways whilst... Uh, whilst she's in the company of all these people. Uh, One of the recorded instances of weird behavior was the fact that she chose to swim naked in a lake, which, because the English were prudes in this time, aside from the people in Bridgerton, um, she, like, it was was really... Well, I mean, people in Bridgerton also swim in lakes and and clothes, so then it's like a wet t-shirt contest, but please continue. Yeah. Um, but it was taboo for her to have done that. Uh, the other thing that she does is she entertains local magistrates with, um, exotic dances. And I don't mean like strip teases, but like their dances that these men were not accustomed to seeing and thus they were exotic. Got it. Um, they, she. Wow, I wish 
I truly wish TikTok wasn't a thing so I could go to like any consulate and just dance in Washington and be like, this is an exotic dance. Have you ever seen start, this like, dance before? I start doing the TikTok dances. Yeah. Yeah. I like put on a sound clip and I start going at it like the fuck boys on TikTok and they're like, oh my God, this is so exotic. Uh, <laughs> she also displayed some uh, fencing techniques. She would like sword okay. battle Only people some. <laughs> with a with a sword dipped in poison. I guess. Uh, what? Wait. <laughs> that was just that was just what was written. I don't think she actually fought anyone. Um, okay. but she was like, well, we let's not make assumptions. She, Perhaps she, she might have been stunting on the hose in the fencing world as well. Yeah. Uh. Bruh, she's stunted on everyone. She also used to go to the roof of where she was staying so that she could pray to her god. And her god, she named Alatala. Which, like, I mean, take from that what you will. Uh, while she was in the company of all these magistrates, she was treated like a foreign dignitary. She had her portrait painted... She had uh, balls thrown in her honor, and many of the local, like, scholarly fellows wanted to learn her language, and so they, like, had her write samples, and they sent it away for study. But, as I mentioned, the entire time that this enigma of a woman is around... Uh, stories start to get written about this woman, which gains her some notoriety, and the notoriety eventually gains the attention of a landlady who runs a local boarding house in Bristol, and she recognizes the description of the girl and decides to confront her, which leads to the story of Princess Caribou collapsing like a house of cards. Oh okay. no! Because as soon her lies as fall down upon her, <laughs> oh look! If it isn't the consequences of my own actions, because <laughs> as soon as this boarding lady uh, confronts her, instead of like trying to dance and dodge around it, she just starts speaking in a perfect English and just oh like, my god, just fucking folds. Um. <laughs> Instantly. So it turns out that Princess Caribou is, in fact, a woman by the name of Mary Wilcox, uh, who is the <laughs> daughter of a local cobbler in Bristol. Oh, uh, my God. She had built up the persona of Princess Caribou just as a bit of fun and to make herself more interesting. Uh, my sister was playing D&D before D&D. Yeah. The sailor uh, who had been able to translate for her had been an accomplice of hers. Um, And so, like, he was just making up the story with her as she was just spewing nonsense. Um, The the written language sample that she had given to, uh, like, a scholar at the same time that her lie was unfolding... Uh, he received word from people who had analyzed the language, and they described it as a humbug language, which basically just means that it's nonsense. A humbug language. A humbug I language. Love that. Scrooge that, would be so wow, happy. Is that like the official term? I, I, that's the term that they used. <laughs> In every in every bit of research that I did for this, when I was like, okay, language, they were like, it was a humbug language. Like, none of it made sense. So, as it turns out, um, what she was ultimately trying to accomplish was to start a career as an actress. Um, and she wanted to move to America. And... Even though the town was, like, would have been in a perfect position to be completely pissed at her for lying and for, like, all the con and deceit of all this. One of the um, local magistrates from Almondsbury actually arranged for her to be sent to Philadelphia. 
and uh, she spent about seven years in America before she decided to make her way back to England, back to Bristol, where she met a man named Robert Baker, and she settled down and started selling leeches for medicinal purposes. Oh, interesting. So she was out of she was out of the D and D business and into the leech into business. Into the leech so, business. But what I thought was really interesting about this story and what makes her kind of like a wonderfully weird woman of history. Well, like the whole thing makes her wonderfully weird. But the fact that like she managed to find the nicest town in England because pretty much everywhere else would have like after finding out about the deceit, would have been like, hey, we're gonna run you out of town and hope that you get killed by a wild animal somewhere out there. These people were like, oh, it's your dream to go to America? Yeah, we'll help you out. Just fucking send them there. That sounds nice. Like, we've never seen America, so why don't you go? Let us know how it is. Send us a postcard. And then when she comes back seven years later... People are just like welcoming of her. That's fucking wild. She did make. She did apparently make one more appearance as uh, Princess Caribou upon upon her return, but it was like it was for a. um, I think it was just for like a local historian show type bullshit thing. Got it. Like she wasn't trying to con any dignitaries or do anything like that. It was just like, oh, this is part of our local history. Come out and find out about it. And she was like, I'll show up. I'll do the thing. Me, a historical and prominent figure (laughs) of the community. I am a prominent figure. I love that. I am a prominent figure and no one can tell me otherwise thank you look i she i I love that this woman was like i'm gonna do the con and immediately gets caught and said i'm no longer doing the con but it's still like everyone's cool with it it was a good um i think during my research it was about half a year but i could be that's a long i could be wrong it could have been like way less I know that it was 10, 10 weeks. Uh, okay, so that's like two and a half months. It was 10 weeks. It was 10 weeks of something, but I can't remember if it was like 10 weeks before they moved her from where she was to Bristol. But like either way, it took a little bit too long but I did, I did love the aspect of it where it was just like this woman confronted her, and instead of trying to like cover her ass, she was just like, "Oh yeah, soup's British. So go- so sorry. I soups and blind to everyone. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry, but sorry about my lies. But um, I, if you want me to appear at birthday parties. I, I do and birthday parties, actually. I do do birthday parties. Um, there is a fee attached, so if you guys are interested, eyebrows, eyebrows. <laughs> Fuck. So anyways. Man, I wish I was her. That's that's my whole story about Mary Baker and how she conned a section of England into thinking that, you know... She was a princess named Caribou. She was Caribou. a princess named Caribou that could only say pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. What, what a thing to choose. Yeah, Be like, all right. all right, I need to have like one one English word to convince them I'm not a complete that idiot. That might have been the only word that she knew. Yeah. In Indonesian. She was and like, the rest hmm, of it pineapples. was just gibberish. That's fair. Me too. <laughs> Same. Um, that's not true. I don't know anything in Indonesian, but what I do know is that I'm. We're going to take take a walk across the world Ooh. to Japan. Love that. Um, my, the title of my story is called "Cats: The Island." Wonderful. Cats, not to be confused. Not to be confused with, with Cats the musical. The musical, yeah. Uh, so, 
I think we can, like, all agree, probably, that Japan has, like, won the soft power game. Um, And for those of you who are listening, who are unfamiliar with the phrase, soft power is, like, the ability to essentially weaponize your culture to get people to love you. Uh, America used to have this, but now all we do is, like, make 9,000 Marvel movies (laughs) a year, and no one cares about that. Uh, ripped people who love Marvel. Especially because but... Marvel has really fallen off. Yeah, but like... Well, yeah. Go ahead, Zach. Uh, no, it's just like Marvel has fallen off, but like, I don't know, looking back on it, was it ever really on top to begin with? That's my two cents. That's okay. my hot take. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> the whole Marvel phase up to Endgame was on point for me. There wasn't a bad movie in the bunch. For me, like, there were some that obviously weren't great, but... Like, yeah. There was cohesion to the story. Yeah. And then fucking Endgame happens, and they're like, we're going to put TV shows out. We're going to put movies out. You're going to have to watch the TV shows to understand the movies. You're going to have to consume 75 different pieces of media... In order for you to get the next movie that's coming out, have you yeah. listened to this audiobook about my most recent bowel movement? Like, it's, it just yeah. became so masturbatory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so, like, I was listening to a thing the other day where it's like, Japanese animation studios are not really, like, resting on their laurels. They're continuously, like, pushing the envelope with how good their animation is and, like, how good... And they're coming out with movies and, like, their merchandise is just so on point. Mm -hmm. And they're just... They're just very good in Japan about, like, getting people to care and be invested in what they produce and also, like, the country itself. Um, Yeah. And I think, like, this has to do with the fact that, like, Japan does have thousands of years of history it can sort of use to do that, right? True. Like, I I mean, I know when I was little, like, that's the way that I learned about, like, I started learning about Japan. Like, a lot, I watched a lot of anime, and then I got, like, interested in, oh, like, what am I seeing? And so then I started reading books about Japan. Uh, I think it's, like, a, a cascading effect. But, like, anyway, so, like, not only do, is Japan really good at using its culture, but it's, like, good at using its geography as well to help like attract tourists okay. to Japan. Um so in particular, I do want to talk about Cat Island or in Japanese it's called Tashirojima and like this is a not a big but like a mid-level tourist destination in Japan. Um So it is a small island in Miyagi Prefecture, and on the outside, it looks like pretty much all the other islands in Japan. Beautiful. I'm a simp for Japan. Gorgeous. (laughs) No notes. Some notes. They call those weebs. Um, Yeah, they... Well, listen. Yes. Moving on. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, if we look a little closer at Tashirojima, uh, we will find that it only has about 80 people living there, with a population of cats that wildly outstrips the humans by several hundred. Fuck yeah. Wonderful. And, yeah, there's a lot of cats. Um, so at least 150 cats permanently reside in one of the villages, while the rest just fuck off the rest of the time, like cats do. Okay. Uh, the island has no dogs, out of respect, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and it also has a cat shrine. Now, I'm sure by this point you're, you're wondering how this island has anything to do with history, so let me get into the story of how the cats sort of came to run Cat Island. Okay. Uh, it, it started in the late Edo period, and much of Cat Island, which wasn't Cat Island at the time, but we will continue to call it that, was involved with silkworm farming for textiles. Okay. 
Um, we've all heard of Japanese silk, obviously. We sure have. We sure I talk about it at least the twice silk a day. Road so. is also a thing. <laughs> that's true, but that's China. Oh, fair. Yeah, My bad. We, they don't like each I'll other. I'll take a second strike for that. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a second strike. Okay. I feel um, like any time that I actually disappoint Megan, I should just take strikes. <laughs> well, no. I mean, like, they did trade ha- with Japan. It happens so, like... so rarely that when she's... <laughs> when she legitimately sounds upset... <laughs> <laughs> with my inability to know things, I just feel like I should take no, a strike. I'm not... I'm, see, this is why I can't become a teacher. It's because I'm just like, no, reminds me of that. Reminds me of that one scene from Parks and Rec where it's like, I don't have the patience to correct you, and then like <laughs> two seconds later, he goes, "Actually, it'll annoy me if I don't." Is that Ron Swanson? No, it's, um, uh, fuck. Whoever, uh, oh, God, what's his name? I don't know. It's one of the other ben? characters. Ben. Ben. I think ben that's what? the name of the guy. Okay, I'm Ben in this situation. I'm Ben in this situation yeah. explaining the difference between Actually, China and Japan. Actually, it'll annoy me if I uh, don't. Actually. Um, so... They were involved in silkworm farming on this island, and the silk industry was very important. So the residents kept cats to chase the mice away from the silkworms because mice are one of the biggest predators of silkworms, Like, and they needed to protect them. So they were like, oh, of course, bring in the cats. Yeah. Um, and I... And then in, in 1602, all pet cats were ordered to be set free by the government oh my God. in order to counter the rodent population that was, like, wreaking havoc on the silkworm industry. The government was like, this is such a problem. How are we going to solve this? Everyone, release the cats. Oh, release. The, they're just like, Japan has been unified. Release the cats. We've, we've done everything else we can. Release the cats. And so... Uh, after releasing the cats, I feel like this is, like, one of those situations where you want, like, a little of something to happen, so you bring in one group of animals, but then, like, they're too good at their jobs. So, like, then you bring in another group it's of animals, fucking, and you have to- It's like a very- It's the, uh, the little old lady who swallowed a the, fly. Yeah. Yeah. Or the- the- the snake problem in Hawaii. Yeah. Like they brought in the mongoose, the mongoose, the mongai. Oh yeah, the mongais. I think is how you say it. The mongais. Um, so it wasn't exactly like this on Tashirajima, but the cats were very good at hunting all of the mice, and they did start destroying some of like the local wildlife and vegetation. Um, because they were too good at micing. Mousing? Too good at micing. Too good at the hunt. <laughs> How, the, they, they were too good at hunting. Uh, and it resulted in like a thriving wildcat population. Um, and so in 2011, uh, the Tohoku tsunami, the one that took out the Fukushima reactor, of course we all remember, rest in peace, mm-hmm. uh, forced the cats to flee inland to escape rising tides and high winds, and only a portion of them came back afterwards. They weren't dead. They just they just found they different islands again. to make yeah. cat islands. Yeah, well, there's more than one cat island in Japan, so maybe. Um... And even though the tsunami, like, declined the island's fishing industry, the cat tourism industry started to take off, which left some regular visitors to the island deciding to, like, take up residence there. Uh, now, I'm sure you're wondering, but what about the cat shrine? Because I was wondering about the cat shrine as I was looking this yeah. up. Um, and also, do the Japanese love cats as much as the Egyptians which I, I cannot speak to, it, but I can tell you that the Japanese do believe that cats bring good luck, money, and good fortune to whoever crossed their paths. Um, it's like one of the reasons that you see like the waving 
Yep. The, the William cats. cat. The good luck cat. And the stores. The good luck cat. Uh, so people believed that cats themselves were the ones that stopped the whole island from sinking due to the um, Tohoku earthquake. They were like the cats, dude. They saved this island. Fuck um, yeah. God bless. Yeah, the cats held it up with their small paws. <laughs> and the cat shrine itself is called Nekojinga and is in the middle of the island. And the story behind the shrine goes that the island, which was also known for fishing, um, the cats would go to the inns where the fishermen would feed them the scraps from their nets. And over time, the, the fishermen came to really love the cats and would use their actions as predictions for like the weather and fishing patterns. And one day when the fishermen were like collecting rocks for their fixed necks, a, a rock fell and killed one of the cats, which they then buried and enshrined at Neko Jinja. And this shrine, which is essentially, um, like, while it is essentially, like, what the island is dedicated to, it is not unique because, like, the whole prefecture has about 10 cat shrines, and they are found in areas that overlap where silkworms were traditionally raised. So, like, cats were very important historically to all of these sections in Japan where the industry relied heavily on them. And I thought that was, like, a cute roundabout history story. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> Who doesn't love stories wholesome. about yeah, cats? Like, yeah. Yeah, it, like, it wasn't a traditional, like, what the fuck history story where it's just like, oh, this, like, person or, like, this event happened. It's more like a, a place that is interesting. Yeah. Um, but I fuck with that, you know? That's but, cool. Yeah, and like I said, there are a few other islands that are known for having a large population of cats, mm-hmm. and I assume it's for the same reason. They used to, you know, grow silkworms. Yeah. Um, and there are, like, a few other islands that are weird, like Bunny Island, which I think I'm going to explain in, like, a later on episode. I know you've because mentioned that one it to has a pretty... before, so... Yeah, I've mentioned it to you guys, but I think it that one has a much longer history, so mm. I'm I'm interested to tell you guys about it. But that's my story. Hell yeah. As you can hear, my cat is screaming in the background. <laughs> She's like, I want to be with my brethren. Riker was sitting here with me for a little bit. Now he's gone somewhere else. <laughs> but Probably back to his brethren. Probably back on to, Cat back, Island. to back to his brethren on Cat Island. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to be with his brothers. With the progenitor cats. <gasps> his uh, brethren. His brethren. His brethren. All right. Imagine if every night while we're asleep, cats teleport. Back to their to brethren. Island, and they, yeah, they have, and they then they have a cat meeting. They have and one, they're like. Yeah. Dude, there's an entire sequel to 101 Dalmatians that's that entire premise. Really? I f- yeah, it was a Today I Learned uh, ages ago, but there's a whole sequel to Dalmatian, 101 Dalmatians where the entire population of the like the world goes to sleep and dogs have to make a decision about whether or not they want to flee the world because of an impending apocalypse event. Oh, the starlight barking. Yeah. That's right. Oh, is this... I was thinking about the Disney's 102 Dalmatians. <laughs> now there's like, like a legitimate brother, sequel novel. I don't remember that. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember that in the movie at yeah. all. I like. Could you imagine, yeah. though? Could you imagine? <laughs> that would be wild. If I was being gaslit by that Disney. Been, no, I, it would have <laughs> been great if that was in the sequel. If that was in 102 Dalmatians. Fuck yeah. Or it's just I'd like my in mind. the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when all the dolphins fuck off. Yeah. So long and no, thanks for true. all the and fish. So long. <laughs> this is just like. This is just like the cats. The fishermen gave them the fish, and they're like, so Look, long. And thanks and for thanks all the for fish. All the... <sighs> Thank you. Uh, so anyways, right. I don't want to go through the process of me trying to start my goodbyes and Zach interrupting me, so I'm just going to let Zach have the floor. 
I was going to say, with that big yawn, I think that's the signal for us to wrap up. So thank you very much, it's folks. It's the bat signal. For listening to our silly shenanigans here. Uh, if you like what we do, we'd appreciate it if you went on to iTunes or Spotify and gave us a really good review and on or rating, rather. And then on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you can give us a review. And those reviews really help us kind of bump up the charts. It makes it so that we don't have to advertise, which just makes our life easier because we don't pay for advertisement. Um, you can also support us in different ways by like going to the going to visit our Instagram uh, at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. You can find us on Facebook or if you go to patreon.com slash triumvirate productions. You can find our Patreon there where you can support us monetarily, which is, hey, we appreciate that. It does give you bonuses like our What the Fuck After Dark After Show special or uh, unedited episodes that get released a day before everyone else gets theirs. So if any of that sounds of interest to you or you just feel like being a pal, head on over to the, any of those sites or just tell a friend. It helps us when you just kind of help us spread the word. We know some people. We don't know every person. So, like, you know, help us out. And with that, Matt, I think I'm all set. And with that, Zach, you can't unmountain do what's been mountain done. So I'm just going to say goodbye now. With the question that I ask at the end... Of every single recording session. What the fuck, history? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.